0: This program was produced at and first aired on MPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand on air. Kapai Irirangi Temotu, MPR. Listening to live and on-demand shows has never been easier on NPR. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Play Store on your device and search up Access Internet Radio NZ. Select and download the first option at the top of the list. Once you've downloaded the app, the next step is to open the app and look for NPR. Once found, select it and then browse freely. Supported by New Zealand On Air.
1: Are you a midlifer and feel it is finally your turn? Spent your years up until now taking care of everybody else's needs. Feel invisible when you have so much more to offer society. Then, welcome to the Middleicious Podcast, the podcast where we talk about how to live a delicious and magnificent midlife with your host, Nikki G, coach, author, speaker, and Middleicious Midlifer. Hi everybody and welcome to the Middleicious Podcast. I'm Nikki G and I am your host and I have with me for the second time Greg Watson. Welcome Greg.
0: Hi Nikki, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me back. Very nice of you.
1: Now we just had an interesting conversation because in the building we're recording the air conditioning's broken and it's winter here in New Zealand so I always think it's cold. And Greg's sitting here in a t-shirt and I I was going to ask you, is that because you've lived in Sweden?
0: Absolutely, You Sort of redefine cold when you've Gone for prolonged periods of of time. In fact, in Sweden, when it gets to towards spring and it gets to about eight or more degrees, the Swedes are walking around in t shirts and shorts (laughs) because they've just come through a winter down to, you know, down to maybe minus 30, uh, certainly long and prolonged, that uh, you tend to redefine cold a bit.
1: So even, because how long ago were you in Sweden? Tw- ten years ago?
0: Yeah, I was I was probably, well now, it might have been 20 I'd say. Possibly. So no, even, no, ten, 10 to 15. Okay, Sorry,
1: so even that's, though you've been away from Sweden that long and lived in New Zealand, you still don't feel the cold like you used to?
0: Yes, I think that's fair, fair to say. Or at least mentally you, you uh, it's, it's interesting the power of the mind, you, you don't, Think about it so much because you don't have that extreme cold. I mean, I've had situations where my my skin was almost freezing, and situations where uh, I almost um, died of hypothermia uh, <laughs> as well. <laughs> right, <Brian, And>, just <laughs> drop that into the conversation, <laughs> yeah, just, just, Greg. Um, and and so, but generally on a day to day living uh, side of things. Yeah, it does. You just sort of redefine cold. What's different here though in the Manawatu in in New Zealand is you have a lot of moisture in the air and that does make me feel cold. It does because that goes right through you.
1: I know when I've been in Queenstown, Which is, um, down in the South Island of New Zealand and it can get pretty cold there. When I say cold, minus four, minus five, but it's a crisp cold. Yes. One, you can wrap up against it because often there's not a wind. There's often a wind where we live, which can cut right through you. But two, because there's no moisture, it just is easier to defend yourself against. So it's quite interesting. Okay. Let's talk property management. Kiwis love property, you know, and you've been in property management for several years now. So let's start with landlords. So I guess the question I want to ask you, actually, which is a nasty question first, is... We
0: might as well go straight to the nasty one. We'll go to the
1: straight <laughs> one. Is property investment worth it?
0: Well, I think that uh, absolutely yes, in my view. I'll give maybe some examples during the great. show. Uh, however, pro- property investment... In New Zealand, just tends to perform well over time. And something with property that I think is very, very important is that time is your friend. Time is your friend. So if you can buy property and you can own it, if it's for a, a medium to long term, it's historically and there's no reason why it shouldn't continue to perform very well. Where people can get caught is if they're in a more volatile market. An example would be in a, in a bigger city where prices can rise and fall quite quickly. If they buy while the market's up and due to financial reasons, they can't manage to keep their property, they have to sell when it's down, you can lose some money in property. Generally speaking, though, areas like the one that we live in, Nikki, just steadily rise over time, mm. and property does perform well. But I think to have a balanced view, you can compare it to shares or managed funds, money in the bank, etc. In fact, you can work out a percentage rate of return and compare that to a percentage that you might get in a bank or, or from, from shares, And as well as that, there are still some tax benefits. The government's trimming those down significantly. And as well as that rate of return, you also have the ability for the property to gain in value itself. And in this region, it's doubled every 13 years for the last 26 years. And before that, it was doubling every 10 years. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. So, in a, in a way, because there are so many property shows on TV, they're quite particularly a lot of English ones. Yes. And you know, the, you see people buy these houses. I know there was a period of time that slowed down a bit because I think house prices in England, for example, have really got up there. I mean, London prices are no, crazy. Yes. And you know, people would buy a house. They would put maybe buy it for you know two hundred k. They'd put. 10K into it and flick it off for 250, it's like, wow. Absolutely,
0: it's what they commonly call flipping. I
1: was going to say, they flip, don't they? Yes. But we never really have been able to on Palmy, have we? Because not, there's not, just not that capital gain so fast. No,
0: there's not. And that's where uh, the two just has slow, steady gains, so it's better for a long-term game. In terms of a short-term, slightly higher risk, you can go to your bigger centres like Auckland, where if you buy on a rising market, do a house up. A rising market by nature means it demands strong. And so, yes, you can spend a small amount and make quite a large amount. But if you do get caught when that's up near the top of the cycle with one of those properties, you'd probably be selling it to lose some money. So, so it's a little bit riskier. It is
1: flipping and people certainly get caught. I think too, Greg, there was a period in time, probably pre-2008, where people were being encouraged to negatively gear. So one, do you want to explain what negatively gear is? And two, explain the risks of it because people got
0: really burnt. Well, that's right. And and in fact, in the rising market in the likes of Auckland and Wellington, it's really not something that people recommend these days as negative gearing. But just what it means in brief is that you own the rental property. You normally form a a company on paper and, and you own that rental property and the accountants of the world can show that that technically makes a loss. So even though the property capital value might be rising, uh, when you consider all of your costs, like insurance and rates, if you're in Auckland, there's water, things like property management fees, even mortgage interest, interest on your mortgage, um, can all be offset and you can claim back tax on those. And that's was popular to do so, particularly when they used to have... Uh, depreciation which was the idea that the property physical property itself was all deteriorating and all all the parts in it were deteriorating in value over time while the property itself was rising so you, you could claim many years worth of depreciation and that didn't have to be paid back until you sold the property and so' they've, they've been so negative gearing was popular it meant that you didn't strictly speaking have to make a a profit, or you didn't have to be cash flow positive on your property, but that's that's a little bit in the past now. And in fact, next year they're bringing out what they call ring fencing, which means you can no longer treat your rental property and you, as a loss-making venture um. against your income. So your your income in life, you used to be able to say, well, my property lost thirty grand, that was income for me that I've t- lost and therefore I need some tax back, please, because I've paid too much. They've stopped that. So what's happening now, Niki, is that it's more important that when buying rental properties, you're looking at getting a a better rate of return. If You want to get as close to being cash flow positive, which means the money in rent that's coming in from the property is paying for everything, including rates and insurance, and that's difficult at first. Uh, but there's much more focus Will be in future for investors on being as close to cash flow positive as possible. There's nothing wrong with thinking, okay, I'm going to have to top up the rent by $20 a week to help, or $50 a week to help pay for these things. And often when you buy a rental property, that is the starting position. It simply can't fund itself. And uh, many Aucklanders have been buying investment properties around the country because the trade off between what they could rent the house for and what they would buy it for meant that they're not. They're even further away from being cash flow positive. The what happens with the rental property is you might go several years where you're actually making, having to top it up. If you think of it like a saving scheme, it's not the end of the world. And then over time, rents increase, yet the other costs don't re- increase proportionately. And in fact, the mortgage usually stays the same or or goes down depending on how you've set it up. So, the what's really important when buying a rental property is to buy. And make sure that that $50 or $100 a week, you can manage that out of your household budget. And then over time, as those rents go up, you won't need to anymore, and it will become cash flow positive in making a profit for you.
1: So places like Auckland, because I mean, I know the average house price there has dropped below a million yes. again. So, you know, the house prices yes. are dropping a little bit. But rent is incredibly expensive up there. Yes. So is there a tipping point greg where people will not be able to afford to live in auckland unless you're earning over 100k a year which not many of us are
0: uh, uh, yes yeah. so well i think about and i might be slightly off on this but but in the three in the years from 2014 to 2017 uh, there were thirty three thousand Aucklanders left for the Regents as those prices went wow. up and, and the rents went up um, I, and i can 't remember the source, but I do read, read a lot in, in this area and, there, and we had a lot coming here at the moment or two, just for lifestyle reasons they can get a better house, less pressure easier to to travel those those sorts of things the yeah so the d- difficulty with the prices going up around the country the fundamental problem is a shortage of housing shortage of physical houses for people to to live in uh, the government focused on uh, kiwi build which was the idea that they should try and make housing more affordable build houses make them more affordable so people can buy them but i believe right from the start that was fundamentally flawed because and I don't mean to sound uh, too right wing on this one, but in New Zealand we've got a real fundamental belief—it's something that's ingrained—that everybody should have a house that they own, and everybody should have—we uh, we call it you know, the old quarter acre <laughs> block, <laughs> block yeah. which they don't have anymore. But still, the idea is that everyone's entitled to own a house. Now, there's many countries where that's simply not the case. Well,
1: Sweden's one of them, isn't it? Yes. Sweden, a
0: lot of people rent. Yes, that's right. Probably more, of, of, yes, or yes, or probably more than own. Uh, Germany definitely more people. rent rent than own. so who
1: owns the houses that people rent
0: uh, gr- groups if you like um, it can be uh, a housing group businesses effectively mm-hmm. um, sort of like and they do this in the uk as well they have collectives that that run it like like a business except that it's a much longer term model and the tenancies are much more set in stone uh, so that you can you can get a tenancy for for decades potentially depending on which country we're talking about so that you're your lease is assured and if you then move away for a while, you can then lease that to one of your friends or something similar because and, and that lease because you've taken that lease for a long period of time. It can get a little complicated. But I guess the fundamental thing that I'm talking about with Kiwi Build is I feel the government should have been focusing on building more properties at the lower end, even state uh, public housing if you like, just to to increase the, the volume of physical properties on the market. Mm. So mm. so the fundamental problem is that there's not enough houses and so what the regions have seen like Manawatu which has had incredible house price growth over recent years you may recall Nikki and some of the listeners that have lived around this area for some time there was a considerable period from the end of 2008 when the global financial crisis hit through to November of 2015, where the prices in Palmerston North, two Fielding, didn't really move oh, at flat-lined. all. Oh, they flatlined. Yeah, they they're did. They really flatlined. But what happens, of course, is when you get the likes of Auckland and, and Wellington, to a certain extent, Christchurch, where things are just getting too expensive, people move to the regions, and that puts pressure – because you have the immigration, say, going into Auckland from overseas. Um, and then the people that can't afford to au- Auckland go to the regions. We saw this initially in Tauranga, Hamilton and so forth. And then it just filters down. So now the Manawatu's got people moving here from centres that they can no longer afford. But the housing construction is it, its really tough. We need about 500 new homes in Palmerston North a year just to wow. keep up. Yeah.
1: Because one thing I'm seeing in, in PAMI, which I have to say I really struggle with, I understand why it's needed is infilling. Oh, yes. You know, seeing, uh, there's a, a a section I can think of in particular that was empty for years, I mean, decades, and now is having four houses put on it, and that just breaks my heart. Yeah. But it's arrogant of me because I live in a big section, you (laughs) know, but, you know, so it's, it's, so I guess I, I want that for other people. I can't bear the thought of being in a house where I see my neighbour right there, but, and there's a part of me that thinks, do we need infilling? in a place like Palmerston North. But clearly we do because yes, it's happening.
0: And some of these countries are interesting where, particularly the European ones, oh, UK to a certain extent as well, where they, where they, ha- where they have this idea that renting for life, there's no stigma to it. Mm. There's no mm. stigma to it. It's just what you do. You, you invest in other areas rather than property. And, and so it's not seen as a negative, but people can live in closer proximity. Uh, for example, medium or high-rise buildings, um, you know, th- those sorts of things. And that's just, and they're okay with that. It's it's something that, when they announced KiwiBuild, it's based purely on the concept that everyone is almost entitled to have a house, mm-hmm. which I fundamentally don't agree with. Even though it's a bit can be a bit controversial to to voice that opinion.
1: Well, it's interesting because it's funny. I've I've just started um, helping clients with not money but their money values and how they work money because money financial literacy is fascinating topic to get onto. But one of the things that – the thing is if you're going to rent for life, and I agree with you, there's a lot about renting that has an advantage. You know, you don't have to worry about rates and insurance and there's one payment a week, that's it. You don't have as much power. But I think the important thing is because there is a link in countries like New Zealand and possibly Australia where home ownership's high between home ownership and wealth and retirement because you do have that asset. So I think if you are renting, you need to make sure you're saving on some other way. Absolutely. So you may be a renter, but you have a big share portfolio that you have to feed you some passive income, and perhaps that's where, and I guess as rents are increasing, that becomes more and more difficult.
0: Yeah, it's really, really important because we're in this situation where things are changing, more people are renting by proportion of the the population. And so again, we need to start thinking the paradigm has shifted a bit here where they. They say, well, invest in property. Well, if you're not in a position to easily do so, then definitely look at other avenues because we're all heading towards an age where we may want a little bit extra money come retirement age. And, Absolutely. And there are many vehicles you can use to do that, but property is one that performs well. And even with the changes that the government has been bringing in to make it a bit less appealing for investors, still performs well against a number of other sources of of investment.
1: So what are the biggest mistakes you've seen? Because you've been in property management now for quite some time and you, as you see, you, you're a leader in the field. What are the mistakes landlords make? Because they they, they they can often be the most hated people on yes. the planet,
0: landlords. There, yeah, there are, there are three fundamental problems that, that I find most often that come through time and time again. The first one is that landlords are not charging enough rent for their properties. They're under-renting them because in New Zealand about 70% of people or 60 to 70% prefer to manage their own properties. So they might have a direct connection with the tenant, they might build an emotional relationship mm-hmm. and those sorts of things, mm-hmm. and the business hat comes off and they under-rent. I've seen cases, many cases, where the properties are under-rented by up to $100 a week. Wow. And and I say to own, well, I don't say to owners, but I say to other people, that's like gifting a tenant a trip around the world once per year.
1: It is when you think about it that and, way. And why
0: not... Put that towards your retirement, yes. uh, given that all it, the, the rents are market driven and and yes land, we run a run an advertisement suggesting that landlord 's check their rents look at putting them up we get we get hated upon on social media, but for me it 's about trying to help people to reach their goals and and that 's where undermining a rent. These things compound if you if you don't put the rent up regularly. Um, if it's you know, right, if the market's moving up, which it tends to do, so then they actually compound. And I might come across somebody that if they've been had tenants in place for ten years, it's not uncommon that they've missed out on twenty five to thirty thousand dollars by under renting and just leaving those tenants in place. Because it's a misconception that if you put rents up, tenants will move. It's only if you do a big jump. So under renting is the, the number one most common. I'm not saying I must say though that about uh, 10% also of landlords under rent intentionally to help people. Uh, the remainder under-rent because they just don't have the, the knowledge or it's not their main focus to be at the right level. So,
1: If you wanted to under-rent to help people, then you would have to have a reasonable amount of equity in your property, wouldn't you?
0: Yes, yes. I mean, it all comes back to, I like putting it back to your your household income, your day-to-day spending, because ultimately that's where it all ends mm, up. Mm. If, if you're subsidising somebody $50 a week, that's good if that 's something you want to do as a um, a social with your social conscience to to help them out and that sort of thing, but if you 're struggling to pay the bills in your own household by thirty dollars a week, maybe you know you might need to to reconsider a bit but yes that 's something where it just comes back to you personally so under is are number one the second. Situation over my, uh, I've been in real estate 23 years, that I see the most often that is horrible to deal with is where landlords have rented a house to their family or to their friends. So, in other words, children or parents or a relative or friends. And I don't know about you, Nikki, but personally, I don't like lending money to friends. Or borrowing money from friends, or anything like that, because boy, once finances get involved, uh. um, it can really make a big change. And some of the saddest situations I've seen are families that uh, that are renting from each other, and the daughter maybe is is thirteen thousand dollars behind on rent, and the parents don't know what to do. And you've got all the personal relationships involved. So, so that's where that's something I see, and that's, and the third. Thing apart from under renting a property or renting it to family or friends is that landlords can be very emotionally engaged in the rental property, and it's important for people to realise that uh, it's a rental property is an investment. It's like shares or, or putting money in the bank. You don't need to be emotionally engaged. Uh, you can even employ somebody, as, as I have one of my staff members look after my rental properties, because um, I don't want that direct relationship with tenants. I don't want to feel sorry for someone. I don't want to feel guilty about something. And so, the, But the emotional engagement as well means that if a tenant accidentally puts a hole in a wall, Uh, of the lounge I'm not going to be all broken up about it it's it's just a it's just an item it's a physical thing it's an investment Um, you sometimes there are some extra costs that come along but often landlords are very emotionally engaged and they don't necessarily understand that the law actually has a reasonable amount of amount of leeway as to things that can happen uh,
1: I guess it's, it's looking at it like it's a business, Greg, isn't it? Absolutely. It's, 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 you and, know.
0: That, and that's one of the things I, I give an advice when people are looking at buying rental properties. I say, don't worry if if you prefer to have a bath and this property doesn't have a bath, don't worry. It won't stop at renting if it just has a shower. If you like to have a double garage because you've got two cars, doesn't mean your rental property has to have a double garage. You know, it's a, th- There are factors which, uh, if you don't like, say, the colours of something or something like that, Put away all those personal things and just put your investor's hat on and say how much will it rent for, is the house fairly sound, will it need much maintenance done, Um, will tenants be happy and healthy living here and will it work financially, so some of those questions that are more business based.
1: So and and obviously the healthies really become a thing at the moment because yes. New Zealand houses are notoriously damp and cold. Um, it's interesting what you said about family or friends because yes. that carries on. Because uh, I read a magazine called Juno that put a lot of financial uh, and one of the saddest ones I've read was about the parents who. Um, Lend their children money yes. to buy a house, and then the children decide it's a gift, and they're not going to pay them back. Oh, that's I awful. just and and it's just that one that sense of entitlement just blows oh, my yes. mind. Yeah, but absolutely. you know, you need those really clear boundaries, don't you? And, and I, I think you probably see it a lot in a place like Palmerston North, where there is a big university that parents buy a rental property for their kids to it's live
0: very, in. It's very common,
1: but also too, it's teaching our family that actually rent is a cost. Yeah. You know that rent, or, or you're either paying rent or a mortgage, especially in the early years. You know, mid-life you start to maybe become a bit more mortgage-free, and, sure. and if you if you're blessed. But it's just that, and it's really hard to to you know families fall out over money. Money is not money. Money's not the problem. It's people's attitudes towards money that is the problem.
0: Yes, yeah, so I think that, I think that's certainly fair, and that's where it's easy, possibly for relatives to take small liberties with each other. A person renting the house might think, oh, look, I won't pay this week. That's OK. We'll pay them the next week. And The people who are renting out the house might say, OK, well, obviously they can't afford it this week. They'll pay next week. And these things that shouldn't really happen mm. when running a, a, a business, I say, in an inverted commas, uh, are allowed to happen.
1: Because I think, too, people kind of feel, you know, that I, I even, you know, doing business with friends, I think, is, can be very clear. You've got to – well, very – Unclear. You've got to make sure. I guess it's no different to a husband and wife that work together. You need very clear boundaries yes. about, you know, here's, here's where we talk about work and here's where we get home and we don't talk about work anymore. And what's your role at work and what's mine? The same, I mean, really, if you're going to let family rent your property, you should have a tenancy agreement just like you need with
0: strangers. A- absolutely. And, and I only mention it because over the years those are some of the ones that really stick out as being both heartbreaking and shocking. To me,
1: and and you you can never recoup that money.
0: No, that's that's the other point I was going to say. Is let's say your your son or daughter gets fifteen thousand dollars behind in debt. Um, You effectively evict them or move them on or whatever you do as a parent, are you going to put them through the court process to chase Mm. that money? I mean, it's Mm. so it's why not let your son or daughter or family member, uh, parent or whoever it might be. Rent a house but you could always help them out a little financially if you wanted to, but let them do it on their own accord in somebody else's house where it's where it's separate. So that so that, that means that when you're around the dinner table, family gathering, there isn't that tension. Um, in fact many of this really stuff really does break uh, does. people apart. Yeah. It
1: does. Because it's not only you know, if there's one sibling doing stuff like that and the other siblings are going, well, you know, that's not it's it can destroy families. Absolutely. And it's so um I was going to ask you a really good... So you're just really pointing out the the advantages of having a property manager because you are two degrees removed from everything.
0: And that's something I really enjoy. I I alluded to the fact that I don't manage my own properties. I'm perfectly capable of doing it, but there's a couple of reasons I don't. Uh, The first is that I'm I'm soft-hearted and... I would be my own worst enemy. I'd probably be a landlord that would rent to somebody a bit cheaper because I felt sorry for them. Or if they wanted a change of curtains, I'd probably go out and buy them for them rather than let them buy some and put them up. So I like the fact that I'm getting independent advice to say, no, you don't need to do that, and you know, we can move forward. So I've earned thousands more by having one of my staff look after my properties than I would have personally mm. if, if I'd had that direct engagement with the tenants. The other thing is having a degree of separation is nice, as well which means that uh, the tenants interact with the property manager and I interact with the property manager but we're not directly uh, working with each other so my tenants don't know that I'm the owner um, because that's not relevant, the landlord is the, the property manager and and that just creates that degree of separation, I, ne- I can just relax I never have to worry about things, I've got a predefined set of instructions to that property manager just to say should this happen do that and uh, I can just sit back and relax because like anybody I'm, I'm busy and uh, I have uh, in multiple properties. And no matter what job you're in, these things at certain times, you know, tenants might leave, something might break down and that sort of stuff. And if you're doing it yourself, it's just a bit of a nuisance really.
1: And it's no different. That's why so many companies have... Uh, a CFO or someone who deals with the finance and it's not the boss. Once I think companies get past sort of three or four staff, they employ someone who deals with all the money because it it is emotional money and it does just make it. So it's no different. It's once again, Greg, people thinking of their property management portfolio like a business.
0: That's right. And it's your chosen investment. And if you had instead invested in shares or through a financial advisor – or managed funds you would be expecting them to do a professional Absolutely. job so, so if you don't feel you can do a professional job to a high level yourself you're really not being true to yourself in terms of aiming towards that goal of whatever you want that investment to do
1: We've run out of time again, but it's even the things like, um, you know, being able to check, you know, the average person can't check out a a possible tenant if they have a criminal record or if they have debt owing or any of that stuff. You can access all that stuff. Yeah,
0: we we get behind the scenes access access to a whole lot of background Mm. checks and, Mm. and everything is very much compliance based now. There's a lot of health and safety, believe it or not, for landlords now, which they might be completely unaware of compliance with new laws and, and regulations there's a whole bunch of monetary amounts that tenants can bring against landlords who are not doing their job properly so so that's another thing that is done by default when you employ a, a property manager a property management company is that a competent manager would be making sure that you're protected Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Well thank you very much Greg, I did say to you earlier I'd love to get you in here with someone who is um, you know works in shares and things like that because I think at midlife I think probably more important time than anything in your life you need to understand investment and growing your retirement fund and you know a lot of people haven't started now which is a bit scary. Well,
0: there's no time like the present no matter what you're, you're investing in if I'll just go back to what I said earlier, time is your friend.
1: Absolutely. If
0: you wait two years, it'll be a lot worse off than if you got into it straight
1: away. Absolutely, so thank you so much Greg, so you've been listening to the Middleicious podcast with my guest Greg Watson, who can, you can find on Watson watsonproperty.co.nz
0: watsonrealestate.co.nz real
1: estate.co.nz, or you can find him on Facebook Greg does a lot of fantastic videos on Facebook, so that's Greg Watson from Palmerston North, and I am Nikki G, your host you can email me on Nikki at nikki.gunning.com. so go out there and have a fantastic Middleicious week
0: Support this programme and others like it by giving a donation to NPR. More details at npr.nz.